This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. There are many powerful words in the English language, but likely one of those powerful words that really gets to our hearts is the word love. We talk about people loving our country. We talk about loving our friends. We, we talk about loving our children, loving our, our spouses, loving our families, extended family. We want to talk about love today. Today we want to talk about Christ's love. Christ and His love for the church. And we hope that you'll stay tuned as we discuss this today. I'm Billy Lambert, and I want to welcome you today to getting to know your Bible, especially if this is the very first time that you have seen this program. Today we're offering a free Bible correspondence course, and I emphasize the fact that it is free. There are literally thousands of people all over the world that have taken this course. We want you to have the privilege and the opportunity of expanding your knowledge of the Bible through taking this course. And right now we're going to pause so that you can learn more about the course and how you can receive it. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. There are a couple of passage for, passages from the New Testament that I would like to call your attention to today. The first of those verses is in the second chapter of Philippians, verse number 5. And this is what Paul wrote, Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now here's the second passage. It's in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, and verse 25. And your husbands love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. The first verse tells us that we should possess the mind of Jesus Christ. To have the mind of Christ is to have the spirit of Christ, the attitude of Christ. I've often thought that the real difficulty that we have in living the Christian life is maintaining that attitude but we're to have the mind of Jesus Christ. Now the second verse says that we are to, that Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, in order that we might have the mind of Christ, we have to come to that point in our lives that we love the things Jesus loved. And Paul said, Jesus 
love the church. Now that we might have a, a better appreciation of what Paul meant when he said Christ loved the church. Let, let your mind go back to the time that Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and He was praying to His Father in heaven. Why, while He's in that garden, He prays so fervently that the perspiration appears as drops of blood upon His brow. And Luke's Gospel tells us that while He was praying, there was an angel that came and strengthened Him. And as He prayed in that garden, He said, If it be possible... Let this cup pass. Talking about the cup of suffering. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done, Father. And then we hear the trampling of feet as an angry mob invades the garden of prayer. And from that mob there steps out one, one of Jesus' own, one of his inner circle, a man that Jesus called friend. And Judas betrayed Jesus, Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss for 30 pieces of silver. For the price of a common slave, he betrayed him. And then Jesus was taken all night long from one mock trial to another. And finally, he was brought back into the court of Pilate. Now Pilate knew Jesus was innocent. He said, this man is innocent. He's guilty. I find no fault in him. But Pilate was a moral weakling. You see, he wanted to please the people. He allowed Jesus to be scourged. I cannot begin to imagine what it was like to be scourged. Try to picture it in your mind. Jesus' hands are tied around some marble post or pillar. And that would stretch the skin on his back as tight as the skin on a drum. And there stands Pilate's soldier with a scourge or whip in his hand. A, a scourge that would have in the end of it bits of metal, metal or perhaps bits of stone. And then he brings that whip down upon the back of the only man who ever lived a perfect life. He brings that scourge down upon the back of the man who's called Prince of Peace, the Priest of the Most High God. Can you hear something like cords breaking? That's the tearing and the searing of the flesh of the Son of God as that scourge bites in. Do you hear something like water dripping from the eaves of a house after spring rain. That's the dripping of the blood of the Son of God as it drops to the floor below. 
Jesus, after that scourging, was made to carry His own cross through the streets of Jerusalem. The Via Dolorosa, the, what's called the Way of the Cross. Jesus fell under the weight of that cross. And one with the name of Simon was compelled to carry the cross to Execution Hill. When they came to the place called Golgotha, the place of the skull, Jesus was placed on that standard. If the cross that upon which Jesus died was like those of, of which I've read, His hands were attached to the crossbar or the patibulum, nailed to that cross. Think about it. There stands one of those soldiers with a spike, a nail as big as a railroad spike almost. And with a thunderous blow, he drives that through the flesh of the Son of God. And then they take the other arm and they drive a, a spike through that hand, fastening him to the crossbar. There was the stipes or the upright post, and the patibulum and the stipes were notched together. He was likely lifted up and and in that fashion, and the crossbar was attached to the upright bar. And then Jesus was on that cross with his nails in his hands and in his feet. And Jesus Christ was suspended between heaven and earth with the weight, with the burden, and with the guilt of the world's sins upon him. And while he was hanging on that cross, he uttered seven sayings. And one of those sayings he uttered in the stillness of the dying hour was this, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which interpreted means, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Here he was, the Son of God, forsaken by God and man, dying upon that cross, all because he loved the church. He loved it so much, he shed his blood to make that a reality. And it's no wonder to me that he loved the church so much. Not, not when I learned from the Bible that, that the church was in the plan of God in eternity. There's never been a time when God did not have the church in mind. Listen to Paul in Ephesians, the third chapter, verses 10 and 11. To the intent now that under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. There are some that allege that, that God did not establish the kingdom because He was rejected, 
but as somewhat of an emergency measure, he set up the church in its place. Well, there are several things that I'd observe about that, that allegation. Now, number one, there is no distinction to be made by the church and kingdom in Scripture. The word church simply shows the relationship God's people have to the world. They're the called out. The word kingdom shows the governmental feature of God's people, and they have a king, they have a law, that is the Bible, and they are now citizens of that kingdom. But the church was in the mind of God in eternity. There's never been a time that he did not think about bringing Jesus into this world to die on the cross of Calvary for the church. So it's no wonder Jesus loved it so much. It's no wonder to me that, that, that Jesus loved the church so much that, that he shed his blood for it. He literally shed his blood. Paul was addressing the elders of the church in Acts the 20th chapter. And listen to him in verse 28. To take heed unto yourselves and all the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to feed the church of God, listen to the next part, which he has purchased with his own blood. The church is blood bought. That's how much Jesus loved it. He was willing to shed his blood for it. It's no wonder that Jesus loved the church so much. Not, not when I find out that he's the head of the church. You know, sometimes people ask this question. Who's in charge around here? Who's in charge around here? Well, when it comes to the church, there's not a man on this earth who's in charge. Now, he may have under shepherds in each local congregation called elders or bishops or, or overseers. But there is no one man who is the head of the church on this earth. There's only one head. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, there the apostle wrote, He hath put all things under, under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Christ is the head of the church. Now, our heads serve a pretty good function for our physical bodies, don't they? You know, I get all of my thinking from the head. It is my head that tells me to move my arm. It is my head that tells me to make my feet go. You see, we get our thinking from the head, our direction from the head. And we get our direction, we get our thinking from the head of the church, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. A number of years ago, I remember people making uh, an appeal like this. I, I remember uh, uh, there was a, a very well-known evangelist had a lot of young people in a coliseum and thousands of them. And, and he, I suppose he was trying to appeal to them. And that was back in the time when where people were talking about that, uh, rejecting the establishment, you know. And he got up and he said to them, Jesus, yes, the church, no. And then he made this statement. We sort of made an end run around the church and they just thought that was marvelous. Folks, you can't have Christ without the church. He's the head of the body, which is the church. They go together. And guess what? 
the blood Jesus shed is confined to those that are in the spiritual body. Jesus Christ loved the church. Jesus loved it because He's the head of it. Also, Jesus loved the church because that's where the saved people are found. Someone says, are you saying, Billy, that, that, that the church is a person's Savior? Absolutely not. But folks, there's only one Savior, and that's Jesus. Listen to Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. Jesus is the only Savior there is. But who does He save? He saves the body, the church. Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it, because Jesus Christ is the Savior of the body. He is the Savior of the body, which is the church. Verse 23. Acts 2 and verse 47 reads like this. Incidentally, there are 47 verses in the second chapter of Acts. And the second chapter of Acts is some to refer to it as the birthday of the church. I I don't oppose that. I, I, I don't use that terminology, but I'm not opposed to it because actually the second chapter of Acts tells us today the church came into being. That is when the church began. And the last verse reads like this, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added unto the church daily those that were being saved, or such as should be saved. And such as should be saved are such as believe in Jesus, such as repent of their sins, such as confess their faith in Christ, and such as are baptized into Christ for the remission or the forgiveness of their sins. You see, when people are saved, they're added to the church, not by the church, voting on someone as to whether or not they can have church membership is foreign to teaching of the New Testament. It is God who does the adding. The Lord does the adding to the church. Well, whom does He add? He adds those who are saved, those who have submitted themselves to His will. Those are those who constitute or make up the church. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 reads like this. He has delivered us from darkness. Now we're in darkness when we're over there in, the, in Satan's kingdom, aren't we? In the darkness. But you see, God can deliver us from the darkness. And He translates us into the kingdom of His dear Son. So we come out of darkness into light. That's what it simply means in Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Translated out of one kingdom into the kingdom of God or the church. Have you ever been baptized into Christ? Are you a member of the church for which Jesus died on the cross of Calvary? I want to challenge you to study carefully the second chapter of Acts. There are only 47 verses in that chapter, but they tell us the day that the church had its beginning. It began on the day of Pentecost, 
which if you go back and read the 23rd chapter of Leviticus, you will learn that that day occurred on the first day of the week or the day we call Sunday. That was the day Jesus was resurrected. It began on the first day of the week. And it was on that occasion that the apostle Peter preached a sermon to people in the city of Jerusalem. They were from all over the world. That is the then known world. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers of Mesopotamia. They're from Cappadocia and Pontius and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia. All different places all over the world. And it was on that occasion that he preached to that crowd about Jesus. About his life, his death, his burial, and his triumphant resurrection. And in verse 36 he said, Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. That's verse 36. And in verse 37 we learn that when they heard this they were pricked in their hearts and they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? That's not a more important question that any one of us could ever ask than that one. What I need to do, they now are believers in Christ, and they ask what I need to do next. And here is the answer in verse 38. And then Peter answered and said unto them, Repent. They needed to. They'd killed Jesus. That is, they had clamored for His blood, saying, Crucify Him. He said, You need to repent. What else do I need to do, Peter? And be baptized. How many of us, Peter? Every one of you. By whose authority, Peter? In the name of Jesus Christ. For what purpose, Peter? For the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I wonder if they ever did that. Verse 41. Then they that gladly received the word were baptized. And there were added unto them in that day about three thousand souls. And those three thousand souls that believed on Christ, repented of their sins, were baptized for the remission of those sins, verse 47, were added to the church of our Lord. The one Jesus died for upon the cross of Calvary. I wonder, have you ever really thought about this proposition? What would I learn if I just went back to the Bible to see what the Bible teaches about certain things? For example, what would I find if I went back to the Bible, just back to the Bible, back beyond all of the various doctrines and teachings of other people, but if I went as an individual just back to the Bible to see what the Bible would teach about the church, what would I find? What would I find if I just went back to the Bible to find out what people did in the first century to have their sins forgiven in Jesus' blood, what would I find? What would I find if I just went 
back to the Bible to find out what church is important to Jesus. What would I find? We find that in the second chapter of Acts. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing? I appreciate people who love the Bible and, and study the Bible and, and have so many wonderful principles. But I believe that we can just go back to the Bible. And, and we can teach the Bible just as it is, not as we wish it were. Sometimes people say, well, that's what you say, Billy. But here's the way I see it. It's not a question of how anyone sees it. It's a question of what does it say. Do you love the Lord enough that you're willing to be a member of that church that Jesus loved and died for? Do you love it enough to be an active, involved, working member of it? Maybe right, maybe right now I'm talking to someone who's a member of the Church of Christ. But maybe you're nothing more than a pew warmer. You're, you're nothing more than a... You know, we, we sometimes talk about people being couch potatoes. Maybe you're just a pew potato. Have you ever thought about really, really becoming involved in the church? active, working. I, I heard about this service where a lot of people came forward and, and they were, were requesting prayer and they wanted the preacher to pray for them. And one woman said, I ain't been doing nothing and I'm, I'm going to quit. I think a lot of folk could say that. I haven't been doing anything for the Lord and I need to stop and be involved. Jesus love you. Let us love Him. Let us love His church. I want to thank you for watching today. I want to give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And right now, please, please, please pick up the telephone and call for the free Bible correspondence course. Don't hesitate. Don't delay. Join in with hundreds of other people, thousands of other people, multiplied thousands of other people, who are studying the Bible in this way. It's a great, great thing to study the Bible. That's why we call this getting to know your Bible. I want to thank you for watching today, and until we meet again, may the Lord bless you, is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 7-1-1-5-2-1-4. has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible. 
P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.